0: Good morning, good afternoon. Wherever you are in the world, we love you. This is from Bricktown. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How you doing? <coughs> Great. So how in the world are you doing? I mean, is, uh, are you ready for the, the latest thing from Texas or from Biden or anything else? I want to see what your thoughts are. Well, we're going through an interesting time in our lives. And I think an interesting time in your life that you'll look back on in 20 years or so. But basically, you'll look back on this is a very revolutionary period in our country's history. And we're on the knife edge of a couple different ways of going. Uh, we have a faction, of, a minority faction in our country of folks that are really trying to uh, send our government into a very, very dark place the Republicans. I don't think that that's going to work. Most of the country, believe it or not, does not agree with that. Most of the country believes that what we have done for the last, you know, 200 plus years is what we should keep on going. They want to take us to another place, and it's very dark place, to the Pinot Shows and the other places in these, these foreign countries, South American countries, with dictators, And that's that, that third of the country that's into white supremacy, that's into Donald Trump and the rest of that. And that's where we, that's the, the fight we're going through is a, as a political scientist, you begin seeing it. We have, the, have the, pot, the potential, basically, with old Joe Biden, Biden, of actually going to a new, new place as a country. into undreamed of things. I think that we're gonna eventually get fairly soon, I think if, we, if we, everything goes the way it's supposed to go, the way the majority wants it to go, we're going to be a very different country when you allow the uh, District of Columbia, with all its residents, and you allow Puerto Rico to come in as your next two, two states. When, when we allowed, uh, and as you go back in history, there's that TV show that says the way the states got their shapes, I found that to be fascinating because I've been in a lot of those states and never would have thought about how we got to where we were because the stuff we did 200 years ago or hundred years ago and like the Dakota territories which I still have nobody in and after hundred years North and South Dakota is just basically prairie and, and you know desert kinds of stuff like that we're well, driving through it that's nobody's there. Uh, the bottom line of this is, one way you should have the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico with all of those people who are American citizens, and they have no representative or very little representatives. So I think that's that's, that's going to be the the major change, which will change the way we do things. I have a feeling because of what the Republicans have done in Texas, that's the last straw for most females. I mean that re- repressive uh, guy thing that says we're going to do in these ladies and we're going to do this stuff in through abortion or whatever they wanted to do, that's going to cause them to come out and vote. And I think Texas will turn blue next time, because I think the city areas of Texas, Houston and uh, Dallas, are already Democratic and Latino. So it's just a matter of time now, uh, as the uh, populations that are there, that they've tried to disenfranchise as much as possible and say they can't vote. It's the same thing they're doing in Georgia and other parts of the country. This Republican last stand stuff is, is, is as I said, you go back a hundred and something years and look at the do-nothing party, and the know nothings That's what they are, the same thing. They've been re- reincarnated. And the bottom line of this is, as we look at it, that's the way the world is changing. And we, we have to be the, the leading country for that, as I look at it as, as a 76-year-old guy. We'll see things going on that needed to happen. I remember my first trip to Washington, D.C., where I saw all of the stuff that I just had seen in television, basically. And I went, I've been to D.C. many times since then. But the bottom line of that is, our government is really an interesting thing to, to go and see. And this insurrectionists it really exposed a lot of things. The interesting thing is, they tried to to, to take over the government and lost. Now the government knows that what these people are doing, and never let it happen. I, I think this commission will expose a whole lot of things: what people were doing, and what they were trying to do, and everything else. And it was it was really undemocratic. And in other times, a number of these people be put into a, a stockade, put out in the firing squad and gotten, and gotten shot in the head. We are too civilized to do that, but we will shoot them out of office, I think. I have a feeling that in the, and, and, and the next, next midterm elections, the Republicans won't take over the House and they won't take over the Senate. What they'll do is lose seats. And, and these extreme right-wing things that they're doing... Like, I look at the, the lady who's, the, the attractive lady who's the governor of North Dakota. She's killing people. I mean, she might as well have machine guns of these people in there. Tell them, oh, you don't need masks. We make sure you don't have masks. Let's have all these motorcycle people coming in. They make give us all this money for those business people there. I'm a Republican. That's what we want. Of course, you know, about 30,000 of you guys are going to die now, but that's okay, as long as you keep on doing it. She has, she, she has every hospital bed taken with a COVID, a COVID 19 patient, and said, "Keep on going, no mask. Let's keep on going." Of course, I'm gonna have my mask, and I'm gonna have my shots. I'm not gonna tell you that, but I don't really I don't care what you guys do. I'm here running for president, like everybody else. If I if I if I miss, I might be vice president. I mean, all these guys are doing all this jockeying and crazy shit, doing. going to say, of my French out there. It's running for stuff that doesn't make any sense. Because all these people will not be president. The logic, logic says that the republic is not going to be reelected again. So given that, it's going to be, probably come out come of Harris will be president, or Joe Biden again. But you got the guy in Florida, you got the guy in Texas, you got this lady in North Dakota, and one or two others of the guy in Arkansas, who is assume I'm running for president. I don't know why they're not going to get elected. And you'll have the same thing that happened when Trump got elected. You had 11 guys up there running, and none of them could get over 10%. That's why one guy could get 30% why Trump got elected. He got the nomination, then he, then he was able to basically get enough states on electoral votes in, in a very gerrymandered kind of way to let it loose. But Republicans have lost the popular vote in over one of the last 30 years. And they're dying party, as I said, the do nothing party. So I guess that's, that's where I'm really coming from. And looking at it, and looking at all the other things that are going on, that's that's. I, I take taking the, the thought process as I watch it. Biden will make mistakes, but he'll make up for it because he's a decent guy. This is I don't think he'll run for re-election. Frankly, I don't think he can. But the bottom line of that he'll he'll do enough to change the way we do things. And Kamala Harris is smart enough, if she plays the cards right, that she'll pull, up, she'll pull it off as president. So we'll see how that goes. I probably won't see it, but, you know, 76, you never know. You know every day is, is a good day for me. But so I'm here. I'll, I'll be going up to Minnesota for a weekend in about 10 days to see what's going on with, with, with Minnesota and stuff. But I'm, I'm here, and I'm doing my little thing. That's all I can really say about this, and uh, I'm uh, happy, and, and if, are you going to tell your people about your, your, your big grants and all the good stuff you're doing and your new books? You know, you ought to take the podcast as an opportunity to talk about your new book. I was trying to find it, but you have so many books on Kindle, I couldn't figure out which one was new. Well, this time was really about you, Dad, and just, uh, allowing you to share your wisdom with the world. Well, yeah, that's true, too, but, you know, my my, uh, baby son here, he needs to be uh, be on the world, too, and say about it, and I wanted me to remind you to talk about where you were on 9-11. Yes, that's an interesting thing, because today is 9-11 day, so uh, that's a day for everybody. Well, you know, I was sitting here watching, I, I was home watching television in Alabama at Auburn, and... I began looking at this 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 catastrophe on television and then my son Bobby who I think was in Memphis or not Memphis he was in Mobile at school he called to see if I was home because he thought I was on a road somewhere and I never forgot that I was really you know I said no I'm home I didn't go anywhere this week because I was at that period of time I was traveling an awful lot I was flying over the country for various things I was doing and uh Basically with the extension service, we were flying and doing stuff all over the country. So it was, a, you know, a logical thing for him to think when I was on the road, but actually I was not on the road. A number of the people I work, work with were on the road and they had a hard time getting back. A number of the extension people were at a conference in Texas, I think it was. And all of the, all of the Caucasian members are there Shot a the car and came back, and the one black lady that was their home economist, they wouldn't let her ride with them, so she had a time of getting back. It was really, she couldn't get back for about a week and a half. But that was that's what racism is, uh, and it was the and starkest kind of thing. They smiled at her and said, "See you later, lady," and they all drove took turns driving back. The ladies there, but I was home, and I never forgot those two things that, that still stick out on me those 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 days as I watched it. An interesting thing is, I remember when they were building the World Trade Center, I was watching them put the pilings in the ground, because at that time I was working for New York Telephone, and its main building was right across the street from that that from the World Trade Center. And, and those wait, streets. wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Boop, 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 boop. You said you remember when they were building the World Trade Center? Tell me more about it. Yeah, I saw it you you, you, wanted, you weren't born then but I was working for New York Telephone and I was I forgot why I was down there I was probably down there taking tests because they got a number of promotions from New York Telephone but it was right across the street from where they were building them, the World Trade Center I remember them putting the pylons in and everything else as they were building it and uh, because I was always, we always had to go down there a couple of times a year to do crazy stuff and when I was working for New York Telephone I got promoted five times in two years uh it, this, this was during a period where New York Telephone had very few people of color. But one of the people of color was the guy who was my Sunday school teacher. And when I got out of the, out of the Army, I think I may have said this earlier in one of our telecasts, he said, come on and take these tests so you can get a good job. And I went down there so I said, and I started out with about 50 people. And we, and we went through a series of tests. And every time I took a test, there was less and less people. At the end, the last test it was just me. And I, and I passed that one, and they said, well, you can uh, pick whatever job you want. He said, but if you want to be able to go to college at night, you're going to have to take this job, which is as a coin collector, collecting coins with the uh, uh, pay telephones that are in New York City, which was a huge industry by itself. It, it, the pay telephone business in New York City was like the fourth or fifth biggest collective." of, of of money in the whole state of York, uh, state of New York, uh, with all the pay telephones. So, Dad, what was the buzz like as they were building the World Trade Center? What did they say it was going to be? Nothing. It was. We knew about it and we could see it, but it never was on television or anything else. I just happened to know that because I saw it, and uh, I guess we had some TV about it. I would imagine. I knew what it was. What it was. I saw them do it, building the pylons, because kind of, they were on the pylons, they had these, these uh, things that were pumping, they were putting pile drives, they were putting the the pylons in, I remember seeing that, and uh, as I said, it was something I hadn't seen before, I just watched it, but they were steam driven, they were pumping up and down, and they have a bunch of people in this big hole, and uh, that is something, I guess, that, it, I didn't talk about because I really never thought about it. But I know we did it. I know it was there. And periodically, as I got promoted, I had to go back there to I forget what it was, Water Street or something like that. It was, but it was down, downtown, uh, you know, Manhattan, the lower end of Manhattan. And an interesting thing that, that came back later on to, to square a little bit of a circle. The largest office building down there is at 1 Water Street, and it's owned by the Alabama Retirement System that I'm a member of, but it's the largest building in the country. It's larger than the Pentagon, but it's owned by the, by the Alabama retired system, a, a Retirement System. The other thing about that is the Retirement System in Alabama owns all of the major builders in uh Capital of Alabama, Montgomery. All of those are owned by the retirement system, and the state rents them from the retirement system, which is an interesting thing, because our retirement system is like 90 percent over overfunded, which is a good thing, and uh, it's one of the few things in Alabama that's really great is really the retirement system, and the same guy who was taken who was appointed by uh, the segregationist governor. In Alabama, you know, 40 years, 40 or 50 years ago, it's still there running the thing. He's like 80 years old. He's still running it. he's, he's, he's got it from a just a little agency into a real big powerhouse. And they buy t- TV and TV stations and everything else. Like Raycom, that you think of is it? actually owned by the Alabama Retirement System, among other things? But they own huge holdings. And of course, they have these Bobby Jones uh, golf courses, and they own all of those. So the most overfunded agency, as I was looking at and moving from Alabama to some of the other retirements like Illinois, Illinois, their retirement system was 50% underfunded. And let's say they had to put money in every year to pay the retirees. Of course, they were paying them a lot more than we are doing in Alabama. But still, it was, you know, as you looked at, as I was traveling around, looking, talking to other states. So looking at joining other faculty at universities, other universities. over, you begin to, to really look at the retirement system. As I was getting, you know, this, my, almost 60. I, was the, I just, It was something that was very important to me. And one of the reasons I did not leave Alabama until I really kind of had to uh, was the retirement system, which is, even today, you know, the best one in the entire country. It's the only thing that Alabama has going for it, other than its football teams which they spent all the money on football. and I had a number of the, the Auburn football players for my students. And I'll say that about all of the Auburn football players in my class, they were wonderful. All of them were wonderful students and wonderful people. As I watch them on television, you know, as, as, they, as they do things, I, I'm just proud that I was able to help them a little bit. Uh, you know, he, except for this knucklehead cam, I don't know what's with him, boy. He's doing crazy stuff. But a couple of, one or two of his baby mamas were actually in my class too, so I saw him often. And uh, I remember when he was playing, so. But other than that, we're, we're we, as, as, go ahead, go ahead. Another thing you want to talk about, you met with your sister, and you want to talk about how our family came from sharecroppers. Yeah, that was, I had a long discussion with my sister, who's 84 now. And me and her are only two that are left from my, from uh, and my family, my sibling group. And uh, she's kind of she's retired obviously, and she has a nice house here, and it has been you know all over, all over the country. She worked for like 30 years for New York City public schools, so she got a very nice retirement also. So she's done well. And but she was we were sitting there just talking, and she was talking about the time. When my mother lived in the Bronx, and I kind of knew that, but I didn't know it. But she's when she's seven years older than I am, so she remembers this. It was just her and oh ho, our older sister with only two people. That's before my younger brother, who has since passed away, and my older sister, who has also passed away. So, she was talking about the time they lived in the Bronx, and at she went to she, was, she went to a couple. Air raid drills, when she was a little, a, a little school, she was in like elementary school, and they had air raid drills. This was in the 40s. And I want to say that it was, you know, probably 43 or so, and they had air raid drills in New York City, and the sign would go off, and they have to hide under the desk and stuff. And so what my mother did was put them on a bus and took them down to here and to Wagram, North Carolina for them to be with my grandfather, who was a sharecropper there, and uh, he had a, he was a pretty smart guy, actually, himself, he had worked for a bank for a number of years when he was younger, and, and Rockville Center in New York, and uh, John McQueen, and he, basically, so he was down there, and we were, uh, well, they were there, and I was not born yet, and then when they came back up, she had gotten married, my father, and somehow or another, I guess I was there, getting born in Bricktown. We, we, they moved to Bricktown, which is a house there. We may have shown, and we need to probably show what it looks like. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful house now. It's it's a it's an interesting area, an interesting street. I remember it. But uh, I was in Bricktown. I lived in the house till I was 10 years old. As I said, we're, we're a family that was basically came from sharecroppers to where you are in just two generations. I think that's remarkable. It's, it's, it's a case of not only the talented 10th, but the to 1% of our people, people of color. And it was really, it, it's a remarkable thing we're doing. And where we are now, in 76, I'm glad I was able to see this. I'm sorry my younger brother was not, but I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm here to see this and my mother and father would have just relished to where we are. They were so proud of me and my brother, what we did and, and what my, how we as a family did. None of my siblings have ever been in prison. Uh-uh. We may have been in jail, jail, occasionally, one or two of us, but none of us were in prison and had done anything bad. And we were, we were schooled in how to do stuff and everything else. And I look back on how I was brought, brought up as, as a young person and the, the extreme sacrifices my parents did to make sure that we got in and out of school and got into college and stuff. And extreme, basically extreme sacrifices they made for that. And sacrifices I've made for all of, all of the kids that I'm in charge of or affiliated with to go to college and everything else. And none of the kids I'm in, that I'm involved with are actually in prison, none of them. And uh, they may have been in jail occasionally, one or two of them, but now I've been in prison, and they all are doing well. And uh, I'm proud of all of them. I have no problem with having any any, any one of them being introduced to any other person that they meet, would not you? because they're proud of all of them. Each of them is different. Each of them has a different way of thinking of things, uh, but they're all good people, and that, that's a good thing. And I can't, and they are not a whole lot of parents can always say that. Uh, we have some interesting personalities, but we don't have any wild children who the police are looking at, or look, looking after either, so that's a good thing. Our youngest one is in Kuwait, defending our country there. It says, it's second tour or third tour overseas in war zones. So we all need to pray for Tommy in and- uh, hopefully it'll go well, and we'll see him soon. I think he said he'll be back in June. Let's go ahead and say a prayer. Yes, please. Lord, uh, bless Thomas, protect him, keep your arms around him, and bless all of our soldiers who are overseas right now, fighting for freedom. Yes. Bless the politicians to put them in the place to be safe and to fight for freedom. In Christ's name Amen. Amen. Exactly right. Prayer never hurts anybody, and it's going to—it's a helpful thing. Uh, honey, uh, Rudy just had a prayer for Tommy. We just shared it to everybody on, on our podcast, so everybody sees it across the world. But okay, but you know, the key thing of that is we—we feel very good about everything that we're doing as a family and everything else. And we have this major thing coming up with uh, the RV Park Owners Association, ARVIC. And we have a major thing coming with that, and we feel real good about it. So, But other than that, we're we're here doing our, our little thing, and and hopefully we'll keep on going. Uh, and with ARVIC, we have a couple of things we need to do and think about. Well, Dad, we've had a great show today. yep we talked about 9/11. We talked about your love for the Republican Party <laughs> Not And uh, you, you know we talked about your history. What's some of your closing message and advice for the listeners? Think about your fellow your fellow man. And try to do unto him as he want, you want him to do unto you. It's, it's a, and that's wisdom in that saying, do unto others as you want them to do to yourself. And uh, please do that out there. And say hello to your fellow man when you see him. Adios, muchachos. I love you all. Love you, man.